Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast, Coach Kevin Furtado, episode 220, today with Coach Mike Hedrick. Mike Hedrick is currently the head girls basketball coach at Patrick Henry High School in Virginia. Uh, He has been there since May 2017. Uh, Here are some of his accomplishments. In 2020, the BHSL 5A State Coach of the Year. He has an overall record of 64-20. and 220 VHSL 5A Final Four, 2020 VHSL 5A Region Championship, 2018-2019 VHSL Elite Eight Parents, first ever at Patrick Henry High School, 2019-2020 Regular Season and District Tournament Champions. 33-4 and record at home, so that means don't play them at home. 2018-2020 District Coach of the Year, 5A Region Coach of the Year, Timesland Coach of the Year in 2018, 100% graduation graduation rate, and 50% received athletic scholarships. And he inherited a program that won 11 games in its previous four years and successfully changed their program to a state tournament contender in 5A classification in Virginia. Also, he was the uh, University of Charleston, West Virginia assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. And also he coached at Francis Marion University in South Carolina as the assistant coach. I think you're going to really like the topic today. It's his matchup zone. He's going to give you a great presentation on uh, the details of the zone and how to teach it to your program. So let's look forward to Coach Mike Hedrick of Patrick Henry High School. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. 
I know I've had a, a couple weeks off here uh, coaching my team and so forth, but hey, I got to get back in the swing of things and interview these great basketball minds to keep me sharp. Hey, we got, we got a great guy here, Coach Mike Hedrick, uh, head girls coach at Patrick Henry High School in Virginia. Uh, just an up-and-coming coach, great coach out there in Virginia. I love talking to the Virginia coaches, man. You guys are so wise, man. Uh, but you're going to talk about uh, your matchup zone today. But before we get started, hey, give us a little background on how you got into coaching and what are you doing now at Patrick Henry? Um, no, well, first of all, Kevin, I appreciate coming on. Like, I love doing the podcast back in the early parts of the COVID era. Yeah. Uh, and ha it's like coming full circle a little bit. Uh, and I'm so jealous right now. You know, I got friends out in Texas and Georgia. You guys are playing games, rocking and rolling. My first practice is tomorrow. I'm not even allowed to share a ball in wow. practice. Um, and hopefully we'll play games in January. So it's just such a, a unique time right now. But it's, it's a blessing in a ways and it's a curse in a ways, but we move through it. But, you know, for me, I've been very lucky. You know, this is, um, I guess, year 12 when you put it all together for me coaching. Um, I, I knew when I was in high school that I wanted to coach. And a back injury actually led me to getting coaching experience earlier uh, you know, I was still a high school kid and uh, junior, senior. I'm like, well, I'm going to start coaching this AAU team on the boys' side. And ended up coaching uh, a woman named Barbara Helms' son. Um, Barbara Helms was a former Wake Forest player, legend, uh, legendary coach in North Carolina on the girls' side. And she goes, hey, you know, I really love what you're doing. Um, I would love it if you um, came and uh, work with my program. So that kind of started this whole process of – uh, me getting to the girls' side and me um, just falling in love with it and falling in love with the girls' basketball game. So I spent four years working with uh, Coach Helms while I got my degree at Lenoran University. I then said, hey, I want to be a college coach because every single one of us has that dream, right? I want to coach in college at some point. And I go, uh, blessed again. We have a great run at Hickory, 112 and 9 in four years. And you know, just phenomenal players, phenomenal people. Go to Francis Marion University, become assistant coach recruiting coordinator. That's a division two in uh, South Carolina. Um, go on from there, go to University of Charleston, which is a division two in um, Charleston, West Virginia, the state capital. Uh, and then love those people I work with, love my time as a college coach. Recruiting is the greatest thing because you get to help young ladies realize their dream. That's what I loved about it, going in, doing the visits, bringing them on campus, telling them they've got the scholarship offer. Um, those are the things that you remember. It was a lot of fun. But I realized that I love college. Uh, it's great, but I want to be my own coach. I want to take what I've learned and be a head coach. So I got the opportunity in Virginia, um, spend a year to school Patrick County, uh, had success there in one year, and then Patrick Henry job opened up. And there was a place that had won 11 games in five years and historically had never won anything. Um, and just the right concoction of things happened between me coming, I guess, with the right mindset and energy and the kids that were there. Uh, we had a lot of work to do, but they weren't all that bad, really. It's just, like I said, things came into place. I had some people come back and decide to play that maybe weren't playing basketball. 
and we win 20 or so games, we get into the state tournament, make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, then the next year, we do the same thing. We win the district championship, which is our conference championship, go back to the Elite Eight. Um, and then last year, we broke through and won the district, won the region, win the Elite Eight game, get to the Final Four, and then lose um, to one of my best friends in coaching, Franklin Harris at Highland Springs. Um, and that was the last game anybody played in Virginia. We were the last ones. And, and basketball has been at a standstill since. Um, and then for whatever reason, you know, you introduced it, talking about these amazing wise coaches. I don't know uh, if you just forgot you had me on today and, and made a mistake. No. I had the same feeling, uh, you, you know, they named me, we, we had our coaches meeting, obviously Zoom via COVID, they named me uh, 5A State Coach of the Year, and that was just, uh, um, those awards don't matter, but I can tell you to get that award meant something to me because I felt like my peers in the state and these coaches that had won a lot of games and maybe been doing this 40 years to my 11, 12, they're like, hey, they're doing something here. And to win a state coach of the year without winning a state title is really, really yeah. interesting, you know, because normally you just give it to whoever wins, right? Right, sure. That just, in, in a sense, <laughs> made my day to just, you know, feel like I had some success. And, and since then, I've been lucky to share the game of basketball with a lot of people on Zoom, uh, different things like I'm just doing now. And it's been great. It's been great learning and uh, sharing with others. Yeah, I think that's important. I think what, what I see in you, Coach, is you enjoy not only learning the game and growing. I, I look at coaches, and I, some coaches grow, and some coaches stay the same. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm telling you, majority of them stay the same. They don't want to grow. That's what I think that you have an ultimate separator uh, as a coach, because you're continually trying to grow. Heck, you're picking the brain of great coaches like Gene Dirt and Eric Eric out here. Tell me what you have learned during this time uh, that you're not you're not really coaching. The greatest thing that probably happened in my coaching life uh, was in March. You know, I reached out on Twitter and different people I know, and like, hey, I want to get some girls basketball coaches that have been very successful together on a Zoom to talk about how they're handling their program through COVID. And I had about, uh, we call it the quarantine 15. I had 15 right. coaches. But the thing was, is those 15 coaches was uh, Tate Lombard out in Texas, which has won, you know, 1,400 games. Sure. Gene Durden. Uh, pretty much every single coach we, we said and done uh, hadn't just won one state title, but multiple. You know, it, it was just unreal, the knowledge. And what that's turned into is – weekly zoom calls we met once a week and, and it was just a think tank and now we don't necessarily meet once a week we meet every couple weeks but we had this group text and you think about this when you have coaches most every single one of them has won 75 percent or more of their games most every single one of them has two or more state titles won 200 300 500 thousand games and they're all on a group text and we all text every day in this group text and going back and forth about, you know, dealing with the COVID stuff, things that come with players selling drills, like just think how amazing that is. Like that's just phenomenal. And I'm blessed every day that I have those people because honestly, like I said, we haven't even started yet. I don't know what my mental health would be if I didn't have those coaches that I could share that with. Cause even though, you know, you have uh, people around you, if they're not a coach, 
if they're not driven and it's their life, they don't understand. So it's been amazing to meet with those people. Tell me before we get in, and I, I'm looking forward to the matchup zone and your and your breakdown of it. Uh, before you get in, talk about you have the shirt on. Be better. Talk about your philosophy and your standards of your program, because I don't think a lot of coaches focus on that. I think they go into the season with X's and O's and so forth. Why is be better important to you guys? You know. Um... This started whenever I first got the job at Patrick Henry. I knew we needed something. We needed something easy, something tangible, something that made sense. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times people, and I'm not knocking anybody that does this, but you pick a slogan each year. Uh, and you have all these catchphrases, and it, it just becomes too much. There's no meaning behind it. And be better for us was, honestly, we, we had no choice because we never won before. Well, first workouts, we couldn't hardly dribble a ball. We couldn't do a three-man weave, so we just had to do one person dribbling. We couldn't. So you had to start somewhere. So we'll, we're going to be process-oriented versus result-oriented because, honestly, I didn't know we were going to win. I thought it was going to be years before we win. Sure. Uh, so, okay, we're going to – let's just focus on being better. Focus on being better. Sure enough, it took fire. Uh, and that first year, we just kept having success and success – um, and it made it so easy. And now it's, uh, you know, we still talk about it every day, but we almost don't have to because we already, the girls in the program already know. And, and we already, you know, it's just amazing how that's transformed. But, and this has even evolved, I think, since the last time you and I talked, Kevin, but the Be Better culture, I've kind of looked at it and I put it on paper today uh, for some notes I was taking myself. There's three things that as a coach that means. We're trying to develop leaders. We're trying to build stronger women and we're trying to help kids reach their goals. That's what be better is as a coach. And that's what I try to get my coaching staff to understand as a player, be better. It looks like I'm focused on improvement, uh, not just basketball, but everything. You can't be making F's and then being winning games and think that's okay. We obviously have work to do. Love that you're winning, but those games are going to stop eventually. And then we have to know what we're trying to be better at. So for the girls, it's focus on improvement, not just basketball, but everything. But we got to know what we're trying to improve upon. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, we can do drills all day long, but if we don't know how to apply the drills to a game, what's the point? It's the same thing with culture. It's the same thing with, you know, you just have to be uh, intentional with whatever you do because there's not enough time. And we are very intentional about be better. And we're very intentional about having a good culture. Um, and we don't just mean that, like Gene Durden says, my buddy, is not just a buzzword to us. It's our livelihood. And that's what we're going to win with. We don't win with plays. We don't win with this matchup zone. We win because of be better. And because of the be better culture, we can do stuff like this matchup zone we're going to talk about. Absolutely on that. Coach, you ready to share it? We're ready to get going. Yeah, absolutely. you're ready. Yes, just give me a second here. Make sure I'm sharing the right screen and everything. Uh, so do you see it popped up? It has. Yes, sir. Okay. And let me get into where I go to present mode. Yeah, yeah. Right there. And you Perfect. see it now? Perfect. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to skip some of the stuff. Um, and if anybody wants this, I don't know how, Kevin, you post it on your site, but you can reach out to me with that information there. I will go through anything I need to with you. 
um, and I'll send you, I can send you this PowerPoint that has all the videos attached to the PowerPoint I'm going to show you, has all the breakdown drills. I even have practice film I'm going to show you a little bit of. Okay, um, great. So everything you need should be on here. You don't need to see that boring stuff. That's my resume, but this is something I think is really important. Uh, where did I steal this? Because to say that um, I created this would just be a lie. You know, um, we all steal, whether we realize it or not. None of us are reinventing the wheel at this point, but, but I got to give credit where credit is due. And this list, I know I mentioned Barbara Helms uh, earlier, uh, Jay Sparks is who I work with at Francis Marion, Adam Collins was the guy who hired me at University of Charleston. I wasn't a, a matchup zone coach or a zone coach. I've, I've ran man, we've pressed, I've done all kinds of different things. But about two years ago, I was going down the concept of, man, I got to find some way to beat people that are better than me. I got to find an advantage because isn't that what we're all trying to do? And what this matchup zone is, okay, it's a combination between taking half court trap concepts from Barbara Helms. It's taken the Jerry Tarkanian UNLV amoeba defense from that I learned from Jay Sparks at Francis Marion. It's taking the no defense defense from Adam Collins, which honestly I could do an entire presentation just on that. We did it at University of Charleston where we would take one of the guards that shot under 30% or, or wasn't a very good three-point shooter. And we would let our 6-2 post guard her, but never leave the paint. And you would be amazed that you think that sounds so simple and would never work, just leaving someone open. Completely messed up offenses at the Division II level. And if it messes up offenses at the Division II level, I promise you it's going to mess up offenses at the high school level. So um, there's some concepts in there from that. And then I had a benefit. Uh, I go to every Final Four and go to the coaches clinic. I advise every girls basketball coach to do that. The uh, contacts you'll make, the coaches that you'll meet, the ability to help in recruiting for your players, uh, bar none, the best thing you can do. But I got a chance to meet with Von Reed, who is the associate head coach at Syracuse Women's Basketball. When I say meet with them, we met in the lobby of, of the convention center and we talked for five and a half hours about everything that they do and about what Jim Beheim does with the two suits and all of that stuff. And I didn't know him in advance. I reached out to him three weeks before the Final Four. He meets with me. It's literally that easy. If you just show that you care, these coaches will meet with you. And uh, he was awesome. And he still texts me back and forth. We talk about each other's games. It's, it's been a good relationship. Uh, Franklin Harris at Highland Springs, great friend of mine, the guy who, who my fault, the guy who sent us home uh, this past year in the Final Four game. I learned from him. And then you'll notice when we get into it, every one of my positions has a term, has its own name. Um, and we'll go through those later. But where I got the terms is actually from Vance Wahlberg's, mm -hmm. um, the creator of Dribble. He has a 221 press out. And that press is where I stole the terminology from. So one thing I tell the girls, and, and I've, I've given a presentation on this before, and I had tons of coaches reach out. Uh, which I'm blessed and humbled about. And one thing I told them was, because they tell me, how do you start with this? Because a matchup zone is so intimidating to a lot of us, and it was to me. Well, I never have once told my girls it's a matchup. I actually tell them we're, we're pressing, but we're pressing only in the quarter court. And doing it that way 
no, it doesn't make sense, but it just changes the way the girls approach it. And that's going to be really important if you run this in the aggressiveness and how you go about teaching it. So uh, again, I got that from all these people, which I'm indebted to uh, for sure. When I say simplified matchup zone, you know, Duke women run a matchup zone. There's a lot of people that do it. We're not, we can't be that complicated guys. We're, we're high school. Okay. We have to simplify and you got to understand what this is and what it's not before you even see the video of it. I don't consider this a man or a zone. I consider it a press and conceptually it has both man and zone principles. We are not going to chase cutters. So if a girl passes from the top and cuts to the corner, like there's no one chasing her. If a girl goes baseline to baseline, wing to whatever, we're not chasing those people. And sometimes in matchups, they do have chasers. They do have people that stick with them until they leave their zone. We don't do that. Uh, what we do is we match up to offensive alignment. What we do is we match up to the scouting report. So for example, if it's a one, three, one, or a two, one, two, or four out one in offense, our defense looks different. And what's really funny is this past year, we ran this almost exclusively. I don't think we ran a, a possession of man this past year and had the best. Well, I would have one game of buddy say, hey man, that one, three, one looked awesome. The very <laughs> next game on the same defense, hey, what's the key to get your girls to run that 3-2 so well? Like, just every single night it looked different. Mm -hmm. Another key to that is scouting report. If you're playing a team that can shoot it lights out, you're going to guard it differently than a team that's going to drive on you can't shoot. And I think sometimes we forget that. We say, well, this is how you do it because this is what I learned. This is what Tart did with Amoeba. This is, no, like, change up to the opponent if they can't shoot a lick, if a player can't shoot or whatever, make the adjustment. And that alone uh, makes it a matchup in my eyes, but it also gives you an advantage. We do have set rules. We do have set positions. Uh, and we'll talk about all that as we go through it. Now, why did I do this? You know, and now people would say maybe it's blasphemy not to ever run man-to-man -man or not to teach man-to-man -man as much because obviously if I'm running this I don't have time to teach this along with my press along with offense I, I just don't mm -hmm. number one is a chance to beat someone better than us if you think you're going to run pack line man or whatever it is and beat someone with seven division one players when you got two division two kids you're just crazy sure. I don't care how good you do the the gym boom pack line principles their jimmies and joes are better so going man-to-man, -to -man, going toe-to-toe -to -toe doesn't make much sense. I'm 5A in Virginia. We play against Princess Anne. Princess Anne has seven Division I kids on the roster. Like, <laughs> you better have something if you think you're ever going to be able to beat a team like that. Um, it, it's confusing because to your opponents and other players, because they haven't seen it before, it changes every time you change offensive alignments. And that I think that provides an advantage. Okay, if you a lot of times we play people that don't scout um, or maybe just don't, uh, you know, make adjustments on the fly very well, gives us that edge. Um, I love the versatility. I can play it really aggressive. I can play it really packed in. Uh, I can hide people in different spots. Love that about it. I don't have as much to scout because I'm not going up against a man offense. Most people do one or two things at most against the zone. And usually I can break it down in about five or six things conceptually that is possible to do. 
you know, you're either going to play the high-low game, um, you may look to skip pass, uh, you may try to ball screen the top of it. There's only a few things you're going to do. Maybe use a short corner. Uh, I can, we can figure all that out and we can do breakdown drills to work on it. And a big thing for us is there was less fouling. You know, man-to-man -man, sometimes you get those one-on-one matchups. That helped. And I, it was less fouling, but actually more aggressive than we ever played man. So don't think that we're some grandma's rec team two, three. That's not what we were ever trying to do. Um, and, and I hope it doesn't look like that on film. And then the last one's really important to me because I think there's a real misconception on uh, man defense, zone defense. First of all, it's all the same, okay? Someone's guarding the ball. The other people are in weak side. It's all the same, whether you're in man or zone, okay? Um, no one is taking your kid at the college level because their ability to be in help side. They're just not. If they are like that, I think that's a lie. They're, they're getting them because the kid's dynamic, can do things with the ball, is a good teammate, can defend, has athletic attributes. They're not doing it because they know your defensive strategy. And most coaches at college level are going to change whatever you taught them to match their defensive philosophy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so instead of saying well, we're teaching a man and doing right by them, we're doing what's right for our program. They're learning how to play aggressive. They're learning how to follow scouting reports. They're learning all that. And we're getting more time to focus on our offense because we're not going through 27 step plays or how to guard whatever offense the other team's running. We know kind of a simplified version of what they're going to run. So hopefully all that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can while I'm going through it, but those are the reasons why I did it. And I'll tell you, um, I, you'll see on the film, like, I am blessed. I do have some length. I have some athletes. Uh, I would run this if we were really small. I would run this if we were really big. I'd run this slow, fast, whatever, because I think there's ways you can adjust to it. And for me, I feel it gives me such an advantage. If I had the best team, this is an advantage. If I had the lesser team, now I got a chance to beat you. So for me, I run this along with a press and the combination of the two well, figure out which one you're going to master and beat. And then if you figure both out, well, you still got to stop us on our offensive end. Can you do that? It gives us a real good chance to win ball games. I feel like. So that's why we do it. And I'm going to go in. I got these game films and stuff. But before I do that, I just want to show you real quick the terms. And I'm going to, I promise everybody, I'm going to show it to you on the video. But I just want you to see this. Okay because these terms are the five that I use and controller gapper taker reader in the middle. Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to go through and read everything because you guys can all read and, and that's not a fun presentation, but this is what I based off of it. And I'd strongly encourage giving names to anything, whether it be like Mike neighbors transition offense, like he does, or, or like this, if you give names to it, especially in girls basketball, they buy in, they understand it much quicker. Because sometimes I think us coaches think these kids are watching the NBA and the WNBA and college games. They don't understand terminology as well. You got to make it very specific and unique. And our girls 100% believe we have an advantage every night because we're the only people that have ever taught, taught them takers, readers, middles, gappers, controllers. It's completely unique to our program. If you run a 2-3 zone or man-to-man, -man, some other coach already has done that. So they're going to have their teachings mixed in with your teachings. We're the only ones that have taught a controller. 
So it gives us such an advantage just starting from a ground zero when a freshman comes in or a transfer comes in or whatever it is um, to teach it. But those are the five positions. And Kevin, if you don't mind, I'm going to unshare the screen so that I can go back and reshare a screen. Okay. Because uh, I'm worried if I don't do it that way, I can't. Yeah, and I, while you're doing that, Coach, I really love the um, – I love how you're forming an identity. I think all – I mean, I, I, really, I totally believe in that because how I run my defensive system, it's all mm -hmm. about identity. I mean, we want to be known – Coach, we – I hate to say, I mean, we, we right now, we're playing some good basketball. We basically press teams out of the gym. Well, our whole, our whole system's about pressure defense and forcing turnovers. Um, but, you know, we, we, we always talk in those aggressive attacking terminology, those terms. I think that's valuable. No, 100%. And, and congratulations again, 4-0, I believe, right, Kevin? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're 4-0 right now. I mean, and, but you know what's funny, though? is we're not shooting the ball. It shows how valuable. At the night, we forced 43 turnovers mm -hmm. and shot shot 32%. Yeah, I mean, well, when we I mean, were at Hickory, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but we were not a great shooting team, but we pressed you so hard. <laughs> it really didn't matter. We were getting so many easy stuff, and we were three. Carolina was a good division, and, and the, the truth of it is, once you build up that identity, you're up eight to nothing by the time you, the game starts because you've intimidated. You know, one, one thing I've learned, uh, and again, I'll bring his name up again because I've learned so much from Gene Durden. Watch Gene Durden's team warm up. Yeah. Scared a piss out of you, you know, like just don't even know how they have the energy after doing that. But how you do things matters so much. And when you press – like it or not, it looks more aggressive than anything else you can do. So uh, I, I hope you guys keep having success, man. Hopefully you can shoot it and press at some point. Well, exactly. And we actually have good shooters. But mm -hmm. right now, I think our emphasis is so much on defense, Mike, so much yeah. on defense and rebounding um, that I think right now our legs, we're, we got, we got our, we're, hey, we're getting better condition every game. And eventually those shots are going to start going in because the legs, legs got to be fresh. 100%. And, and I'm going to go ahead and start showing this. Now, what I'm yeah. probably going to do is just to save time is I'm not going to show every single clip here. But if you're interested in this, make sure either Kevin's going to have it posted or reach out to me and I'll make sure that you get every video and every clip of this. All right. Because I don't want to uh, take up too much of people's time. So showing this clip. And I just want to stop it and make sure we all understand. So these two people up top, and uh, hopefully you can see my little mouse cursor as well. Yeah. That's controller gapper. So the ball was over here on the right side. She was a controller. She was the gapper. The ball's gone slot to slot, guard to guard pass, and the controller and the gapper switch. Okay. So I'm just going to talk about these two positions. The controller right now is this girl. The job of the controller is to control the ball. We're going to try to get the ball into the weak hand um, of a good player. And we're always going to try to force the ball back to the gapper if we don't know the weak hand. Okay, so um, this film's a little different. Number 24, scouting report, you know, she loves to go right. So we're going to intentionally force her to go left. 
But what we really like to do is send the ball back between the controller and the gapper up top, okay? And, and those positions are completely interchangeable and will interchange five, six, seven times a possession. Okay, so the controller's job is be on the ball, harass the ball, um, and, and force it back to the gapper. The gapper's job is a lot like what it sounds like. Most offenses, and I know you, do, you guys don't see it here, most offenses against some type of matchup or zone is going to have a high post and somebody up top for sure, okay? The gapper's job is to um, be in that gap between the high post person and that other guard in the slot. So a lot of times we see a two guard front. If we didn't see a two guard front, well, they can shoot in more and be more in the gap into the high post because they, we don't have to get out as much. So the gapper has to understand their role. The um, controller has to understand her role. So you see that here, uh, my gapper is, She's not going to cheat all the way out because you know somebody's going to flash at some point. So you got to be kind of ready for that. Um, looking at the other positions, this girl here on the ball side corner is the taker. All right. The taker is always the ball side wing. Her job is to take the first pass and take the shot away. Okay. No one's supposed to get a catch and shoot three. Now in this offense, she's in the corner. So you can see my girl kind of matched out on it. Well, if that girl was on the wing, she would be higher because there's only one on that side, okay? The other thing you'll notice is I talked about earlier that we match up to alignment. My controllers on the ball, they have a two uh, overload on the right side. They have a wing in a corner. That's a big reason why my gapper is on that side of my controller because that's where the overload is, that's where her matchup is. She's technically matched up there playing the gap position. That allows uh, my reader in this case, because she's on the weak side, to be matched up more to the corner. That makes sense. So controller gapper, we got the taker, whose job is to take away the shot and then bumps down to the corner. Then the reader's job is to read what the middle does and read the and anticipate the skip passes. Okay, and we'll get into that in a second. And the middle's job, which you see this big girl right here in the middle, is exactly what you think. She's fronting everything inside the post, and she's got to be ready to get out to the corner on an overload when the taker gets stuck. And all this stuff, hopefully, you'll see in a little bit. But one thing I want to point out on this film, where the middle stands is very important. She's actually maybe a step or two lower than what I want her. She needs to be above that first that first hash mark. A lot of times you see zones that that middle person gets head under the rim. You can't get around the front people. You can't get out to the corner in that position. We play it really, really high so our hands are in the passing lanes. We play it really, really high um, so we can get around post players on the block to front them and then get out to the corners. So in, th in this film, you're gonna see a lot of guard movement. They're trying to attack it with a guard base. This is what I'm talking about. Usually they have a guard up high, usually they have a high post. That's, that's how most people attack us. Now what's interesting is when that ball goes in the high post, a lot of times the middle will guard it. Like you see right here, the middle is gonna block this shot. 
one thing, and you'll see a little bit later on film, hopefully, is we actually teach this gapper to guard the high post in most cases. And here's why I want you to think about, look at where the other two girls are sitting on the blocks, okay? When teams go high-low, if the middle of the matchup guards the high post, you get beat a lot with the high-low. It's just, it's really hard to, to move fast enough because that forces the taker and the reader to drop back and you can't do it quick enough. But if we let the gapper guard this pass and the middle stay low, we have the high-low pass taken away, the gapper can come and guard it, and that is a really hard shot for people to hit that free throw, catch and shoot shot, very low percentage. So we're saying, well, that one second it takes for my gapper to get from this position on the catch to getting around, if you shoot it and make it in that time, hats off to you, I bet you can't do it twice. That's our mindset. Uh, the other thought that we've had and we used before is sometimes people only put a pass from the high post. And this goes in the scouting report. If they're only using a pass from the high post, don't guard the passer. Don't guard it because they're usually using that to either go high, low, or skip it to the weak side for a three. Don't guard the high post. She's not looking to shoot it. Um, so you'll see cases not on this film where, hey, we've taught, we went in the scouting report uh, the day before, said, hey, any pass the high post, let them shoot it. And you'll see this middle girl stay about right here. The gapper will go find a shooter, and we, and we guard it that way. But in this case, um, you know, my middle gets a little over anxious. Luckily, she gets a block out of it. Some good things happen with it. So this is the same possession. So you notice how my taker takes away this shot. Her outside hand, which in this case is the right hand, goes high up. The reason why we do that is we want to force the ball, just like controller forces a gapper, taker is going to force it to the controller and gapper as well. I think she's a little bit too flat on this angle. So I, you know, coach her up, she's a freshman, um, but she does kind of what we do. The other reason why this is really important outside hand of the taker is we teach, you take away the shot and you're trying to force a lob pass to the corner. What you never want in any type of matchup or zone is to have a quick top wing corner pass that y'all a chest pass because then it becomes the, the ball rotates too quickly and the defense can't rotate with it. Well, if we've come out like you see this girl doing right here with her hand high, the only way she can pass to the corner is if she lost it up above. And that would, in theory, give my middle time to go get it. Does that make sense at all, Kevin? Sure, sure. Um, and I, I like that because we do a lot of walling in our half-court press and we, we mm. our, whole, our whole buzz defense is about uh, forcing lob passes, no direct passes. Are you similar to that or are you just kind of matching up? No, 100%. Like we're, we're trying to, you know, and I, I, I think a lot about Jim B lines at Michigan's, the 1 3 1 he's ran, you know, for, for all, and is really big on just being the passing lanes and forced lobs. That's where I, I learned that terminology. Um, we want to make sure any pass to the corner is tough to get to. Okay, if it's going to be an overload pass, because like I said, we want to slow down the rotation of it. And, and we are in this looking for steals and deflections. So one thing that I use in all of my defenses, I tell my girls, we want to bait people. The thing I hate about denying 
is when you deny successfully, the offensive person knows not to pass it there. Well, I don't want you to know not to pass it there. I want you to pass it and we take it. So sometimes I think denying something uh, works against you. It's too aggressive. It's too obvious. Um, and, and with our defense, which we call this too, um, we try to bait people into making passes that we want them to. The other reason why, and I'm sorry to get back into this, that we force high hand and force the middle is what's supposed to happen here is the taker takes away the shot with this girl. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, Headmaster Trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Furtado is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. The clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics, lecture-style via Zoomcast and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their lives. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential but the gapper or the controller is actually responsible for the drive. So she takes it away and one of these two ladies here need to communicate and come over and pick this up and then do the Jim Beheim 2-3 zone bump down where you bump the wing with one of the top guards, okay? And all, all the people that have run zones I know have studied that and, and heard that term before. So here you see both of them kind of run and my post players uh, is lazy, my middle, and she does it in front. And, and you're going to see her do this a lot of times, and that, that's just the reality of it. But lucky for her, she's a big six-foot presence and, and a good shot blocker, and she walls up successfully. Right. But one thing, and one thing I do is I never show film of us doing it right because that's fake. I show film of us doing it wrong, okay, because that's how you learn. So the mistake that happens here is both my controller and gapper don't communicate and run to come get this taker and bumper down. And it doesn't seem like a problem, but it's a problem once my middle then forgets to front. Because now both of these two people, controller and gapper, are standing in the same spot and we're going to give up a weak side corner three. Gotcha. And, and that goes into every defense comes back to communication. That's why I said man defense, zone defense, all the same thing. Hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? Sure. What, what are you willing to give up in this defense? Or what are you taking away? Because I think every coach has that in their, their defensive plan. So the thing that I, I like about this, and, and 
this is off my experience running it with the teams I've had. We take away um, a good amount of catch and shoot threes, all right? But the truth of it is we are going to give up some threes. And here's the math. If a team makes 10 threes on us, most people are like, well, damn, they made a lot of threes. I'm sorry for using that word. That's from the South. <laughs> they made a lot of threes. <laughs> sure. But, you know, 10 threes is only 30 points. Mm-hmm. So what we don't do in this is we don't give up layups ever. Ever. We never give up layups because everything's designed to force the ball to the middle. So you got to beat the controller, the gapper, and then the middle defender. You got to beat the taker, the gapper, then the middle defender. You're not going to drive through our, our, our uh, two defense. You're not going to drive through this. The mid-range pull-up is a shot that isn't practiced a lot and is statistically at the higher levels harder to make. So if you want to take that shot in that soft spot between driving from the wing, that 15, 18, if you want to take that over the hands of my, you're probably not going to make enough to beat us. So what I think this does is it confuses opponents from not running their normal stuff. It takes away layups in the half court. And you're going to get some threes, but I bet you can't make enough threes to beat us. And I promise you, we're not saying give up threes, but the reality of it is if you're not giving up layups and you're, you've got to give up something sometime. Right. So the better teams we play, get a couple three looks. Average teams, still, we may take away all our shots and we have success that way. So um, that's really what we give up. And before we made the adjustment of guarding the high post with the gapper, we had some high-low problems against one team in our district. But once we made that adjustment, we eliminated any issues with the high-low offense. Mm-hmm. So that takes away 50% of people's strategy right there. Now, again, I say take away. Our girls have to execute. So <laughs> that still comes into a problematic area. But uh, hopefully I answered that question for you, Kevin. Absolutely. I do have another question because what I want to do, I want to pick your brain on mm-hmm. uh, what, what I would do here. I would, I would run a double stack. We, um, I like doing that against zones to force you to match up with that. How would you defend okay. that? Okay, so where is your low, double stack? A low double stack. Okay, so. Yeah, down the blocks. All right, so you put a double stack there, and w- what's your actions off that? Are they, is one coming high? Are they just standing? Are they screaming for somebody? What yeah, we doing? run. You know, basically, what we do is we set, a double, we set a double screen, and the opposite wing who's below the post will come right off that double pick. So and th- then what we do is we post, and then we send the other posts from the other side. Then we'll go, basically it's a double single screen action. I got you. Yeah. Um, to keep it simple, uh, and we had, I think it was maybe one team that did something similar. I'm not going to say for a fact they did it just like you have because I haven't seen it for sure exactly what you've done. Sure. Um, one thing that helps us in that regard is keep in mind our middle is responsible for anything on the blocks, but our middle also plays up on the first hash. Well, if you have the middle playing up on the first hash in the middle of the paint and you have my taker on ball side or my reader, let's say they're on the double section on the weak side playing that, first of all, you're not going to get the ball there easily from the top of the wing. We could decide to front it if you're just sitting there, but the double sack doesn't worry me 
What worries me more is where you go for the double stack because I'm not going to match up on it. Okay. Because if, if you're going to put two people there and try to throw to two people, well, that works in our advantage because then what I can do is if you catch it before I front, well, I have my middle between you and the bucket. And if you've got two people committed to five feet of space, it is so easy to trap that because you don't have enough space to kick out to. So depending on where your other three people are, I can bring my gapper down to trap you. I can bring my taker in to trap you, especially if you don't have a, a ball side corner shooter. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, again, it all comes down to it. And I love that too, seeing different ways how people attack it because it makes me better. It makes me think of different things, you know? But so we're running this here. If it's a two guard front, you'll see my controller gapper play differently than if it's a one guard front. Okay. You'll see them play it differently if the high post players are really good score and the two people out here, one person out here can't score a lick. Again, it goes back to scouting report. And this is in the playoffs. This is a region championship game. Okay. So the talent level is pretty good. The girl with the ball at 24, she just signed in Gardner-Webb, which is Division One. Um, when we play, when we get to this level, it becomes more of a half-court game, as we all know. And we're playing a little bit more. We love, though, to get this very aggressive and play it out starting the half-court. So if we can, and if I think it works, my controller will pick you up at half-court. My gapper will pick you up at the um, volleyball line and everybody else is up high, including the middle, who's maybe a step below the free throw line. So we'll bring it up and make it look very aggressive, almost like a half court trap and do the same things we're doing here. But as everyone knows, you get deep in playoffs, sometimes you just can't do that. Yeah, I love the different pickup. I, I really believe yeah. that. I think you definitely mm -hmm. show different, the, the show different alignment, show different pickups. I love that. 100%. Now, one of the things that's really key to understand between the controller and gapper up here, so 24 is dribbling and we're switching sides of it. There's two ways you can guard it. The gapper can just switch sides with the controller and the controller stay on the ball. Or the gapper can go jump switch that, which if anybody's run a run and jump before, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, where we just jump and switch. And what we do is we don't call it, we do it randomly. Mm -hmm. So like in this case, we decide just to switch it and that allows the gapper to be ready for um, this top and then high post actually got going on. Again, the ball goes into the high post. In this case, the middle's guarding it. Normally we would want the gapper there to guard it because what you see happen is when the middle guards the high post, you see how my taker and reader have to drop. Right. And they have to, and they're responsible to get diagonally back and cover the blocks while that occurs. They do a pretty good job of it. And then when the ball goes in the middle and the gapper or whoever it does gets the high post, the controller is supposed to find the best shooter on the perimeter and go shade to their side. So if this girl right here too was a really great shooter, we would try to shade to it. Okay, so we're running in transition here. We have a pretty good pickup point. We're forcing her to her left hand because we know the scouting report. One thing that I think is really big to see is all the way back here is actually my controller gapper. Now that's not by design, but she was the first one back. So okay. she protects the paint, protects the paint. Oh, we got it covered. Now I'm coming back up to be my controller gapper duties. So she gets there, they're communicating. 
we're good, we're good, she forces back. There's a jump switch. So you see back-to-back -back possessions, dribble there, and then we're gonna jump switch it real quick. Just a different look, throws off the, the timing of the offense. Taker takes it away. Now, if you notice, there is no corner on offense. We believe if there's no corner, so there's no overload, we can trap you on the wings every single time if we want to, because we're trapping on the wings, we front on the post, we got a gapper, it's just easy. What's hard though is the girls to see that in real time. So that comes back to scouting report. If we know a team runs an offense that that happens, we prepare them. Our terminology is called is red. Red means trap. Our boys team runs man to man. They trap every ball screen. They call it tango. Okay, I probably would call it tango, but I don't want to give our boys coach credit, so I keep calling my. <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> if I ever take another job, I'm going to call it tango. <laughs> I'm not going right. to. Uh, but he's a really great guy. So we should do that. But if you notice here is what happens. So the taker takes away the shot, high hand, the gapper comes over and we bump the taker down. All right. Now a key thing you're going to see on a breakdown is when the taker bumps down to the corner, they don't just run there. They kind of backpedal with their hand in the passing lane. And the reason for that is, is we don't want the chest pass to occur from wing to corner ever. Well, in order to do that, we have to keep the taker's hand in the passing lane. So you'll see when we do the breakdown drill and how we teach the taker to bump down the hand in the passing lane to keep that lob to a corner ever happen. So we're moving here, uh, getting to the next, or the same possession. So we allow the catch again. I think we shouldn't have to. And this is one thing that's really important. And I wanted to talk about this position on the weak side, the reader. Okay. The reader has a really hard job because they got to read the middle. Okay. Anytime the middle goes out to the corner, they have to come all the way over and help on the ball side post. But they have a really tough job in the fact the reader almost always has two people. They either have a corner and a wing, they have a low block or short corner and a wing every time. And they have to figure out, well, which one do I guard, which one do I not? In this case, since the ball's so low, my reader dropping all the way to the block kind of makes some sense. But look how hard she does to get out there with her hands high to take away the shot. So the only difference between taker and the reader, taker and the reader is the same position. But as soon as it goes to ball side, that's the taker, weak side's the reader. She comes out, hand high, takes away that shot. Even if she gets off the beat off the dribble, we don't care because that's what we got the middle for. That's why we force things the way we do. But we're gonna take away that catch and shoot three for sure. And we force them into that shot, which is a shot that we wanna take or we want them to take. Right. Yeah, that's a tough shot for a girls basketball player, no doubt. This is another good clip. You see in transition, we have our taker having to stop the ball. And she does a great job guarding, giving a little bit of space and slows everything down. And now we're right into it. And because she does a great job in transition, we get that still. Now, one thing you're going to notice here is, I, is there's been a substitution. This girl up here on the ball's controller subbed for another girl. 
she's a whole different type of player. So this kid likes to bait and likes to get out more. So you're going to see her pressure a lot more than my other kid. Sometimes it's not about the scouting report. It's about your own personnel. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Some kids are more mobile than others. Some kids are more comfortable doing things than others. If you let them guard how they're comfortable guarding, you just making a substitution makes the whole defense look different. And that is something that I didn't find until we started running it um, and it gave us a lot of uh, um, advantage. The biggest thing that she does for us is now our, our defense extends out a little bit, gives it a different look. So again, takers here, we get it kind of a slow bump down. It's not as fast as I want it to. I like how my controller gap are talking and we all have freshmen, right? Like look at my taker on this side, the big tall girl with the bun. Like, how do you not see that screen to get by it? <laughs> exactly. Jesus yeah. Christ. But here's what I said from the West. Freshman makes a mistake, but we practice. We have the be better culture, right? We practice hard. She doesn't give up on the play. She gets her hands out there contesting. Yeah, good recovery. Sure. Yeah. So, and to me, that's a winning play. The matchup zone doesn't win games. That effort wins games. So here's another possession. We're coming down. One thing I tell people, and I think this can go for any defense, this is a Division I player pushing in transition. If my defender runs at her to try to stop her because we're supposed to stop the ball, you're getting blown by every time. There's a reason she's going to Division I. So what we do is we sit back, if you notice, we sit back around the three-point line and wait for her, and we're trying to force her to her left hand. Because even the good players, when they're junior, senior in high school, they still got tendencies. They haven't been developed fully, and it's no fault of any coach. Mine aren't either. We just haven't had the time. They're not mature enough. They're going to go – if they're right-handed, they're going to go to the right hand. You never see a completely, you know, left-hand, right-hand kid at the high school level anymore. They all have tendencies. So we pick that up on her, and we force her to slow down versus attack and transition. Now we have them back into our, our two matchup. Hey, Coach, did they try to put 24? I'm just looking here. Did they try to put 24, like, short corner, high post area? I mean, is that- uh, We played them earlier in the year. They did that, and what we did is my controller gamper were really aggressive. We played it out farther to half court, and they couldn't get the ball to her because we took advantage of their ball handling being weak. So this is an adjustment after playing three games where we got to put 24 out to handle the ball. Otherwise, they're going to kill us because we won the first game pretty big. And we actually ended up losing the other game, but it wasn't because of defense. It's because of offense. Right, right. So your strategy was right. That's what they went with first, but they they don't have the personnel around her to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, again, this we do a little bit better job on the screen. We control it. All that stuff, we force a weak shot. And this is the last one on this, and I hope I'm not taking too much time, Kevin. No, but, yeah, you're uh, good, you're good, Kevin. We run the two defense on the inbounds as well. And here's what's really key with it. So middle, taker, reader, this girl right over here um, on the other side of the girl on the block on offense is the controller, the gapper. Controller's job is any pass on the ball side corner of the wing. So they'll get the corner. Gapper is responsible for anything high post and out farther. So if they skip it all the way to half court, they got it. Anything in the high post, they got. The taker, this girl uh, with the white headband, she is solely responsible for the ball side block. 
So think about the different offenses. You know, you got a girl standing right here. Some people run that old school line where two people go out and they, they step into the block. She is responsible to make sure no one can catch and shoot or get the ball easily in the block or a step or two above it. The middle is responsible for the middle of the lane mm -hmm. to the weak side block. And this reader is responsible for the weak side block and the weak side corner. So just saying that in and of itself, you have to get reps on it and practice. You can't just talk them through it, but that's how we guard every, every single uh, inbounds play. And for the most part, you know, my philosophy has always been keep it simple on the inbounds because we focus on the other ways, completely opposite of Tom Izzo, who's trying to steal points there. I'm just trying to get the ball in and I'm trying not to give up a layup or three. That's all I'm trying to do. Oh my, that's my inbounds concepts because we do too much with pressing, with this matchup. And also like, I don't have kids that are playing AAU all year long. So we don't have kids. I'm not getting kids that are just ready made on offense. We have to spend a lot of time. Sure. So we do everything so we don't get too much into it. Yeah, and basically, I mean, don't you agree? I mean, I think baseline plays are under taught on the defensive end and offensive end. I think those are, we really love to score Mm -hmm. on baseline plays i'm telling you yeah. most teams don't practice defense like you guys no and, and a lot of teams have only one or two plays so when we get into playoffs and we've really scouted hard mm -hmm. we know what you're going to try to do on the inbounds and we make sure we don't give up easy shot because you know a, a big three in the wrong moment on an inbounds play is a killer killer yeah no doubt it's yeah. just a killer but uh do you see me switching over to another family yes. yeah it's okay. Yeah. Okay. I always wonder about that. And I'm just going to refresh it here because that will usually do it. You see me now? Yeah, gotcha. Yes, sir. Got it. So this is another championship game, but this team is a post-oriented, runs high-low stuff. Okay. So the ball gets in the high post. Look who's guarding the gapper. Look where the middle is. Now you see what I mean taking away the high-low pass. Right. So this is the first play of the game. Hey, is she a scorer or is she a passer at the, the big girl right there? Both of them are scores. I got you. Both of them right there are scores, and they got a Division two full ride kid out the guard spot. So they were actually a really good team. And we do it again. We got the gapper on it. And because the gapper's guarding this, look what happens is high-low pass. You got no chance of getting it there. Right, right. So – that was a real help to us learning how to guard it. Now, here's something else that, you, that we need to talk about. Teams are going to ball screen it, mm -hmm. okay? This girl right here is a Division II kid. Uh, she's a freshman now at the college level, but she was senior last year. So they wanted to ball screen for her, and she can shoot it off of this. She can shoot it off the bounce for a three. When we get screens, there's two ways we got to do it, and it all depends on if they shoot it or not. This girl's a shooter, so we need to – switch it, okay? So this gapper becomes guarding the ball, the controller has to get back and guard this high post and, and, and be the gapper. If it's a non-shooter or if it's really out far high, we're obviously gonna sit the gapper back and we're gonna go under it, okay? Um, just basic, basic things. Okay. Now the problem I have here is, okay, my taker is kind of seeing both, my middle is in la-la land. Okay, she only has one girl there 
she's too low if you look where her feet are. If she's a step above, she gets her hand on the pass. But because she's not where she's supposed to be, she can't react to this. Okay, and that girl makes a nice little reverse layup on the other side with it. Right. So we're here, reactive with everything. My reader's adjusting. Now, one thing you see here is my reader's talking about the high post. She's communicating to the controller gap. We bump down, straight hands. We're really chasing on this position, but God, we're working our butt off, okay? Like if you just look at, you know, the ball movement. So this is a pretty good high school team we're playing. We get a good close out there. We almost get a steal in the high post. You know, we body up. She probably fouls there. We get away with it. So some good things happened. Take your gets it. Now here's one thing that's helped us too. And you don't see it here, but you notice how far out she catches on the wing. Mm -hmm. That'll happen a lot against this. Right. And what we did early is we always, the taker takes away the shot, right? So the way we taught it was aggressive. So we would be running all the way out here. Well, then what that did was we'd run all the way out there. And it, it especially in overload situations, it had us with our middle going out way too much. And it had us getting, you know, we're too far extended. So the other adjustment we've made is if they use the wing as a reversal, okay? So if they're only getting that, so she's not looking to shoot it there is my point. She's trying to either go into a high-low, go into an over whatever. We're going to play with our feet on the three-point line like you see her do. We're not going to go all the way out and pressure and guard it because what that team is doing, and it's normally that really, really fundamental team that passes the ball well that does this pass, that entire pass of the wing is to set up either a skip or an overload or something else. We're not going to guard that. We're, we're going to play off of it. So then when we get to the next pass, we can rotate there quicker, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, for sure. Try not to get overextended. So Gapper gets this. We harass it a little bit. Now, here's something that we also teach. And, and I know that I'm going through all this with game film, and I'm trying to give little tidbits on what makes it successful. So you see how this girl catches from the right side in the high post? Mm -hmm. well, one thing that we believe is when kids catch the ball in the high post, the first thing they do is face the rim, look for the high-low, and then they look opposite. They never, ever, ever, ever look to pass it right back, ever. No one teaches them to do that. So what we tell is, okay, the ball goes from the wing to the high post. We can go trap and harass it, whoever the controller was. So you'll see here, ball went there, what does she do? Immediately goes and ties it up. Could we easily get beat on a pass back? But it's never happened because no one teaches that, right? Good zone offense is skip to the other side, look high-low, face the rim. It's never pass it right back. So that's an easy way that we kind of have learned to cheat the system a little bit of coaching and how people coach offense and make things a little bit more difficult. Sure. Okay. I like to see how you rotate, Mike, uh, how you rotate on a corner pass. Well, or short, or short. And I'm actually going to use practice film here in a second to show that. Well, I'm going to try to. 
you see me in practice now? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I'm gonna show you a little bit of a couple breakdown drills we do. So this one is with the controller and the gapper, all right? And this was during COVID, so if you see those three cones, it's so they can stay six feet away from me. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I hear you, I hear you brother. It's not that I was worried about it. It was that our school district <laughs> was worried about yeah, it. I was wondering. I said, okay, all right, tell me about those cones. Man. <laughs> See, because really she's supposed to be able to touch the ball. She's supposed to be closer. But okay. So you guys stick with me on that. Right. So what we're teaching here is two guards and then a high post. The trash can is the high post. Right. And what, we're, what we really work on here is scouting report. So in this case, I may tell them I am a shooter and my coach is a non-shooter. And if it's a non-shooter, like right now, my coach is a non-shooter. So you see my girl in purple is the gapper where she hedging towards the high post trash can. Okay. But then if I pass it, she's still doing that. So right now I must be just normal. Neither one of her shooters. And that's what I'm talking about right there. We work on jump switching on a drive. You see it right here. I drive, jump switch, we gotta talk about it. But we'll go through here and uh, I wanna see if I can get a clip of it. Yeah, so right now they're both kind of guarding it like I'm a, uh, we're both uh, non-shooters actually. Now the key thing that we're working on here is when the ball goes to the wing, the taker guard gets it right. Taker takes away the shot. But then we talk about the gapper is supposed to come and uh, bump them down or trap if there's no overload. Sure. You can't just run at them, all right? You can't just run at them. So in this case, the ball's with me, okay? And let's say she's playing off. You see how the purple is, is like sitting around the trash can? That's because Coach Cook's a non-shooter. If Coach Cook out here was a shooter, she would probably be feet on splitting the three-point line. All right? Uh, if Coach Cook is the best player in the league, heck, we may be all the way out, especially if the high post is a non-score. So our controller gappers will pick up in different points. The gapper will play differently depending on the personnel. But we're working here. See if I can get her going. Yep, got it. So pass is getting ready to go there and she's got to work on the bump down. The problem with what this girl does right here is she runs straight to it. Right. So if you do that, you're not at an angle to guard the drive. Taker takes the shot, Gapper guards the drive. I mean, Gapper guards the drive. So what I'm talking to her about is how she's got to angle it. And you see me here, we call it banana cuts. So she cannot run in a straight line. When you press, you can't run in a straight line. Press, you gotta go into banana cuts to get to your traps. So it, it all goes back into the same teaching points. So we'll do this again. We're playing it, we're playing it. And now you see Coach Cook's more of a shooter, so she's on the three-point line. Moving. And now she takes a little bit better angle and you notice how she gets in front of it better. And that's a real key teaching point for us uh, 
when we're trying to bump down that taker, trying to get into a trap. Now here's a taker drill. So remember the taker is that we, uh, strong side wing. They come up their high hand. Okay, when they get bumped down, we wanna keep the hand into uh, the pass lane in the corner. So the first girl does it, doesn't do it. So I'm sitting here, I'm talking through just like that. If you see me, I'm probably the best example of it you can get. So you're here and I wanna keep that hand there. Because a lot of times what will happen is whenever the bump down occurs, that's when they start throwing to the corner. Well, we can pick up an easy deflection on it by doing it. This is the first day doing this after COVID. So if it seems like I'm talking a lot, I was. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I'm here and now you see her, look how she's doing it. Now the thing I tell her though, is look at my girl in purple. Her entire body's in the passing lane. I don't need her entire body, I just need her hand. Because right, right now she'll get backdoor cut too easily, if, if you can envision that. Right, so we right. actually just want her hand to be there. And that's what I'm telling her, just your hand. See if she does any better here. So boom, there. And she did a little bit more, better job of it. Boom, hand the passing lane. And that's just the easy way we teach our takers um, to get in that position. And one thing I hate, like we're not trying to slide our feet. This is the first day learning it. So we try to sprint to the spots. So this is taker, middle, and reader. This is my entire back line. So we'll do a back line breakdown drill. So the idea is, and this is what you guys were talking about or what you were asking for, what's the rotation on the overload? So the ball gets here. In an ideal situation, the gapper comes and bumps her, right? Well, we don't live in an ideal world most of the time. So when it happens that the ball does go into the corner, our middle should have been fronting. She goes and goes out and gets the corner. Now, this is a walkthrough right here. The reader not only reads the skip pass, the reader reads the middle. If at any time the middle gets out to cover corner, the reader has to come cover the low block, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because we, there's no way the taker can get back in time. So what occurs on a corner overload is she gets out, my taker drops back. If you're familiar with the amoeba defense, the Jerry Tarkanian short slide is what we're doing. Reader helps on the slide until the taker gets there. Now the teaching points I'm talking about right here is one, my girl on the reader is going on the wrong side. She I should gonna ask you that, yeah. Side. She should be going baseline side uh, because that's the only way you're gonna get there in time. She won't be able to get to the other side. My taker, when she drops, she has to open up her foot to get there, which you'll see in a second. And when you guys play the video, you should hear me talking some, but now that I'm talking while I'm doing it, I'm not, I don't want to hear you do, uh, hear myself both times. Okay. So it goes there, she gets out, she goes baseline side, she gets right into the front, we come back over. But the key thing, and I hope I'm explaining it right here, 
look at my foot. Right. right. So I get a high hand, that ball goes corner. Every time the ball goes corner, I know I'm dropping down and I'm replacing to the middle. My right, uh, my left foot is with my left hand, the high hand, reverse pivot, drop and sprint. And then I put my hand out as I go back down and that helps me cover the distance. Let's see if I get, okay. And again, this is the first day teaching this. So high hand, get out, comer. And, and the key thing that we talk about with, so right here, the reader's a little late, but the taker's gotta say, hey, I got it, I got it, I got it. So as soon as the taker says, I got it, the reader can bounce back and we can get recovered back out. Boom, again, a little bit better job. Now we're, we're looking. Now the, here's something that matters on who you got. So if you remember the film I showed you earlier, I had this big, uh, uh, big player in the middle I kept saying it was a little slow. She was a player I had to keep in the middle, okay? She couldn't understand the other positions. These three, this year, I'm trying to get them interchangeable. So what you'll notice is my middle becomes the taker when the ball gets reset. And my taker is now the middle. Right. If we can do that, we just speed up a lot of things. And, and it can really go to our advantage. And again, I'm talking through these different teaching points um, and stuff with it. So let me get faster here. And now I say I got all five out. And if you guys want to know why I'm not using people right now, it's because with my COVID rules, I wasn't allowed to pass to anybody, but coaches I can pass to. Okay, sure. So you notice already on film how much more aggressive the controller gapper is here. So we're teaching, we're getting out nice and high. Boom, we take it here, working on it. And the one thing I really like, and I know it's against a trash can, so it doesn't really matter, but like you look how hard this middle girl goes to front. Right, sure. You look at the details of she's above the first hash. She fronts. She's above the first hash. And the reason why that angle's so quick is she's coming high to low to front the, the low post. So you see us here flying around, chasing. We're going, and this is kind of an example of us getting a little bit more aggressive with it and going out so hey, mike I, I, and i think that's great I, I love well i think your defense it might be it looks like it's going to be a little quicker this this year if you play um, 100 this is probably the best team i've had like you know like this girl right up here in all black she's a freshman she was eighth grader last year um like she's she's went on a visit to a, a mid-major school the other week so she's got some potential uh, the girl in the middle right now is a transfer senior. Um, you know, she came because honestly, like she, she got tired, I guess, of, you know, not being recruited, not winning. So she's like, well, I'm going to come over where greener pastures are, she thought. And now she's getting yelled at every day for things that she never knew she was doing wrong. 
<laughs> it's been tough on her, but um, sure. I mean, she's working, but she's a hard worker, and she's come over here saying, I want to play college ball. Um, I, I want to do good things. They actually moved houses to get there. Right. So those two, this girl right here is a, a Division One senior, going to go play lacrosse at JMU, uh, had some basketball opportunities. We have a really good group of kids. Um, the interesting thing is I've only got eight this year, so I'm going to play eight, and I'm going to press and run our matchup and, and do what we do. So conditioning's a big part of it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you know, we have nine, Mike, and and talk about that a little bit. Um, the ability. I mean, we have nine players, and we're still. I mean, how, we'll talk about your rotation, keeping everybody fresh. Right now, I mean, basically, I have nine interchangeable parts. They're all about the same, except for I have one six-two girl. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about that a little bit about your philosophy this year on how you're gonna. Um, you know, I'm hoping you play. <laughs> the, the honest truth is, you know, if, if we have 12, if we have 10, if we have seven, well, when it really comes down to the big game, it's usually seven person rotation. Right. That's just being real. You know, like how many of us at the high school level have 10 kids that are all equal? It's really, that's, that's hard. Um, the belief I have, and I learned this in my time at Hickory is in a high school basketball game that's 32 minutes long and you only play them twice a week at worst three times a week there should not be a high school basketball player if they truly care that could not play 32 minutes and press that entire game that's my belief right as hard as we practice i should in theory be able to put five out there that press hard and run the floor for 32 minutes for one game on a given night. My proof in that is we're in a culture where they play three games in AAU in a day. Now, probably not as hard in some cases. Right. There's still a lot of action, a lot of travel. So we feel like um, the, the eight number we have helps us. Now, what, it helps us that we have a talented eight, too. Right. <laughs> The, the problems become when you have lower numbers, whether it be by choice or, or, or by circumstance, is, well, how do you get practice numbers? How do you go five on five? Right. Well, well, I'm a big uh, proponent in um, you better have young people on your staff that can play. And it better not be you as a head coach because one of the hardest things doing is coaching. One of the most dumbest thing to do is to try to play and coach. You can't do it. So – you know, right now I've got two people on my staff that are former players um, that can still play. They can come in and, and probably give us better practice bodies than if I had 11th or 12th person. Right. So I, I've had small numbers. I've had big numbers as far as 13 or 14. Um, rotations all come down to seven or eight. What I'm selling my team on this year is, hey, everybody gets an opportunity to help. You know that there is no way to not help. I'm going to play eight. It's going to be you. So now we got to make sure that you're doing the right things once you're out there. Great. Mm -hmm. So, and again, and I hope I, I feel like I'm rushed through this, but at the same time, try to cover everything in a short amount of time. Um, if anybody has questions on it, please uh, reach out to me. And, and I'll be happy to share. And the, and the last thing just to end is with the PowerPoint, when you go through it, there's some things on here 
And my apologies as I'm a little slow. Do you see the PowerPoint? Sure, got it. Yeah, I always wanna ask those questions. So I stopped you at this, but the PowerPoint also has individual notes for all the positions. So controller gapper, you see all these things. And a lot of this is stuff that I mentioned on this presentation, but here it is written out, okay? Uh, and then I got take a reader notes. So most of the stuff I mentioned, some of the stuff I didn't, just little things to help um, with teaching points. Yeah. Some people always ask me about rebounding. We don't do rebounding drills as part of my philosophy because I, I feel like there's other things um, I need to spend my time on. Uh, I don't think there's a rebounding drill created that's game-like. And I don't think there's a rebounding drill created that directly affects someone's ability to rebound in a game. Now that's my opinion. That's not a popular opinion, but I'm telling you that because what I do is I emphasize rebounding in every scrimmage and every practice. And my girls will tell you offensive rebounding is a big thing that I'm always talking about. So we rebound by emphasizing it. And my um, strategy, yeah, we go through the basic block out every once in a while, but we're gonna go get it. You block out, we're gonna go get the ball. That's what we do. Well, and well. that's just, it's hit and get, because a lot of times people will block out, but they don't actually go get the ball and go jump for it. Now, is that also, Coach, um, this, I mean, we do a lot of rebounding drills, but that doesn't mean any one of us are right or wrong. Um, what about the contact as you get later in the season, preventing injury? Is that part of your philosophy too? Uh, no. See, I'm not a big drill guy at all. And this COVID stuff has really made me grow and, and go to different things. I'm really big on playing the game, okay? So when we practice our – like I know you saw some breakdown drills there with two. The thing we do the most is we put seven offensive players out there against five out there running our matchup, and we work on it. And the biggest thing we do against the press is we put seven or six out there, and we work on our press, or we go five on five. We play the game a lot because my belief in girls' basketball is girls don't play the game enough. Mm -hmm. So if all I do is come out and give them all my infinite wisdom and do all these great drills I learned, they're still not going to know how to translate that because they don't watch the game enough. They haven't played the game enough to draw the parallels. So we use a lot of our practice time playing one-on-one, three-on-three, -three, full court, half court, disadvantage, advantage situations. That's how we teach. Uh, we will, the day before a game, full out scrimmage. We do not care. That's who we are. Now, I'm not saying we're stupid. We have our 15 walkthroughs. We, we understand three games in a, in a week taking the legs easy, but we're not afraid of contact at any point. And I think that's one of the things that helps us because we never lose our conditioning. We never lose our aggressiveness, so to speak. And again, like you said, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, one thing that helps me is I do have athletes that are more inclined to go get it. If I maybe felt that I had kids that weren't as athletic, heck, I may have to be really, really great at boxing out because it'd be the only shot I'd have of getting a rebound. So it all depends on knowing your people, but that's just what works for us. And the last thing I'll say is to rebound out of the two defense, the gapper must go rebound. If your gapper doesn't go chase the ball, you're going to give up some stuff like any other defense would. But if your gapper is actively looking to go weak side rebound, 
a lot of people say you can't rebound out of a zone. If the gapper will go do it, you can. Yeah, I totally believe. I, I, I love that. I, I think when your guards are rebounding instead of just your bigs, I think that's huge, man. I think that's, that's underrated. Um, all five kids got a board. And if you think about the, the, the matchup, the press, the, the, the quarter court press we run, you know, I keep saying these different terms, but uh, the gapper's always in a great spot to read the, read the shot and go get it. She's always right there to be able to do it. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, rebounding and the breakdown drills, you, you see that. And as you can tell in the PowerPoint has all the videos I showed. Um, okay. And last thing is again, like I'm, I'm not a very smart person. I've learned from a lot of great people. Um, I do try to put our own spin on things and that's what this matchup, simplified matchup is. Hour two is just my version of something a lot of great people smarter than me has done. So, um, and a big part of what I've done is my staff that you see there with me. Uh, this was actually not to take too long, but last year at playoffs, we got into a habit of after a win, we go to Texas Roadhouse. Or I mean, the night before a game, the night before a game, we go to Texas Roadhouse. Well, we kept winning. So we ate at Texas Roadhouse like eight times in two or three weeks. It was Wait, who was paying the bill? Yeah, well, uh, we, we all took turns. <laughs> turns doing it that's right yeah so but you know what honestly last year as great as the run was some of the best memories i had was yeah. at that texas roadhouse believe it or not that was i, I look more uh, fondly on that moment than the moment we were cutting the nets down for a region title just because the, the camaraderie and you know we all know how much goes into coaching and to be able to give back and and have them all apart and the two females in there are former players at PH that were there when the program was not very good. Um, the, the male that's sitting on the left side of the table away from all of us is actually that, I told you I had a girl wearing all black. She was a freshman. That's her father. Uh, he came on board last year. And the guy sitting next to me is our head football coach, who's actually my assistant, which is one of the oddest things ever to have a head yeah, football very coach. Very interesting. Yeah. So um, a lot of knowledge, and he's won seven state titles. So it's good to have somebody like that to uh, bounce ideas off of. Yeah, that's really cool, Coach. Um, uh, first of all, it's you got different viewpoints there. I love the football coach because that's rare. He's gonna he's gonna really add to just how to win, what it takes, um, and I, I think that's great experience. I love coaches who add experience to their staffs. Well, you can't have yes men around you because then you just have a bunch of parrots, you know? You just yeah. have people that want to please. And, and don't get me wrong, you need somebody that's just going to do what you tell them to. But you need people that are going to give you suggestions that are going to tell you when you're wrong. And the one thing, and listen, it takes time to get the right staff. You're not going to get it first year. It's going to take years to build it. But when I look at these people, if, if you look at them, there's a, a huge amount of diversity in ages, in uh, where they come from, the backgrounds. Uh, we all have either coached in college, played in college, some have daughters, some don't have kids. Like, so in a staff meeting or going through playoffs, we have, we felt like every viewpoint kind of covered. And, and that was really big to me. 
and then we all got along. And when I say I got along, I'm not an easy person to work for. You know, the head football coach, I will very easily kind of cuss him out if he's not doing – and this is a guy that's won seven state titles is like 20 years older than me. And I'm over here cussing him out on the, <laughs> on the bench or during a practice because something's not going quite right or uh, he had a foul count um, not right. And sure. his ability to just work with me and do that um, and, and not take offense to it, right, and not be – it was just amazing. So uh, I love them to death. They, they made last year really special. Uh, and they made every year really special. Yeah, that's really cool, man. That's great. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I love what you're doing there in the program. And, and Mike, um, I really appreciate it. I have learned so much about your program, your culture, what you're doing there. And I'm going to add a few features uh, from your matchup zone. I really love how you broke things down. You made it, you simplified it for us coaches to teach it. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. No, and, you know, I, I feel like I didn't do as good a job explaining as I probably could have. Hopefully everything made sense, but it's one of those things where I just can't show you everything because I don't have time. Exactly. You know, I just don't. But I, I'm honestly, and Kevin can vouch for me, I will share everything under the sun. I'm not hiding anything from you. I will give you every secret. All you got to do is ask, um, and, and I'll be – and the most favorite thing I have is coaches that are – keeping in touch with me, telling me about them running this now that have, that have took it from me and put their own spins on it. So if you decide to run it, if you decide to make adjustments to it or have questions, you see my number, you see my email, please reach out. Absolutely, Mike. And I'm going to actually say another thing about you. Um, you're in contact with so many great coaches, you know, as well as myself, but you've done a lot of great Zoom cast. Mm -hmm. uh, I really highly recommend those coaches go back to those and mm -hmm. check those out. Talk about valuable resources. Yeah, if, if you go to my coachmikehedrick.com, you'll see it's kind of the online portfolio that I have that has all kinds of stuff about me. And I, and I designed that, to, you know, so for a lot of different reasons, I designed it. But one of the features, it has a bunch of media on there. And I've been blessed to, um, you know, be on Championship Vision now my second time. You know, I don't know if you're keeping count how many times. I want to one day be the most. <laughs> yeah, so, you're my VIP, man. You're, you're VIP right now. Yeah, uh, you know, I've done the Texas Hardwood side. You know, a really cool experience. I had somebody come in and follow us for a full access um, this past season on a weekend tournament. You'll find that video That's on the Coach Mike Hedrick. So, um, you know, we live in a world now where if you can video things and keep it as a memory, it's fantastic. And, and I, I never want people to come across like I'm doing it for my self-gratification or make me look good. That's not what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it so people can see what our program is and people can want to be a part of it. Because I think when you're – we're high school coaches, we don't recruit, but you're always selling your program. And I want to be able to put our program out there and people to know exactly what we do and, and why we do it and how we do it. Yeah. And that transfer kid that you have, she didn't come over there for no, I mean, she came over there for a reason. She trusted yeah. you and your program. So obviously you're doing the right things over there. Yeah. Well, and I got to have the Bill Clinton moment at no point in time did I recruit that young lady. Yeah, <laughs> you got to put that out there. That wasn't. But, you know, one of the things, every single program that starts winning, kids want to come be a part of it because kids want to win. And transfer culture is transfer culture. And the one thing I hate about it 
is I've been on the side that blame, man, that coach is still our players. But now being on the side of it where I get kids, man, sometimes the kids just want to recruit. It's the parents. It isn't all of us coaches just out here uh, going after these kids. Right, for sure. Coach, thank you again, man. I learned so much. I really appreciate it. And um, obviously, I'm going to keep in touch with your website, everything that you're doing. You're doing a great job. I'm hoping Virginia gets back in the plane again, man, because I think it's, I think it's, it's necessary for the kids, their morale. Well, we've, we have unique rules here in Virginia, and, and I've, I've been very honest with them. I'm saying, girls, we may not play, but I'm going to tell you what. If we don't have a VHSL season – we're going to run as an AAU team and play in some AAU events. So either way, you're going to get film. Either way, we're going to stay together. And I love I'm that. You what, that has made our girls at such ease because they know no matter what, we got a plan. And now, again, one thing all this has shown is, you know, man plans, God laughs, right? So we <laughs> – but at least they feel like we're doing everything we can because, you know, a lot of times uh, high school programs, if you're not doing anything, you don't, you're not doing anything. Well, we've done the exact opposite. We've tried to stay engaged and uh, try to do different things um, throughout COVID, throughout all this. And I hope for them, they all get an opportunity to compete together in some way, shape, or form. I hope my uh, people that are trying to get recruited in college can get some good game film to do that with. Yeah, great idea. Great idea about the uh, travel ball. The, it just engaged, yeah. yeah. Coach, thank you so much. All your contact information's on here. Is there anything you'd like to finish up with? But uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. No, again, I appreciate everybody. And if even if you listened, if you think it sucked, if you think it was great, I'd like to know either one. So, so please reach out to me. I love meeting coaching friends. I love just building relationships and um, would love to hear from any of you, no matter what level, boys or girls, and just talk basketball. Coach, thank you so much. Hi, this is Kurt Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado. Keep up the great work.